This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with Harvard University professor and TED Talk sensation Amy Cuddy. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark. Former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author and high performance coach. Where each week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, Amy Cuddy, whose TED Talk is the second most viewed talk in history, generating over 57 million views, shares her life and climb to the top of her profession, giving us an inside glimpse on why and how understanding body language and body image is the secret to up-leveling our leadership influence and deepening our persuasive communication skills. Welcome to the show, Dr. Amy Cuddy. It is such an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. It seems like a perfect fit. We, we, like, the, we like peas. We like talking about power. Uh, this is a great fit. So I'm really honored to be here. And it's so nice to have uh, conversations during quarantine. Well, the ir- irony of this whole thing is you're an expert in nonverbal, as you say, nonverbal communication. <laughs> and we're on the the radio it's an audio broadcast so to prepare for this i've changed my 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 posture i did the superwoman pose for two minutes i am so fired up to talk to you and i actually faked it until i became it good i want you to to dive into that so getting right into it the first p obviously is passion yes and the question that I think is on everyone's minds, especially those who have actually watched your 21-minute TED Talk, is how in the world did you drill deep enough to find your passion to actually study and become the world's foremost expert on body language and the effects that it has on ourselves and on the perception of others? I think for me, you know, I I, I was in a a very serious car accident when I was 19 um, out in Wyoming. I was going to the University of Colorado uh, and driving home from visiting students in Montana. And we we crashed in the middle of the night. My friend fell asleep driving and, you know, I was thrown out of the car and sustained a, a really serious head injury and uh, was withdrawn from college. It was it was it was substantial. And I was told that I probably would not finish college. And that was not, you know, it was not a a future that I had ever imagined as a possibility. You know, if you think about the sort of you, you you imagine a a, a range of futures. That was not one that I had imagined. And uh, and and I think I'm pretty stubborn. Uh, if you tell me I'm not going to finish college, I'm definitely going to be finishing college one way or another. So that part of my identity, you know, the, the, the part of my identity that had to do with my, you know, my cognitive abilities was, I think, more core to who I was than I had thought it was before the accident. So I, I worked incredibly hard to relearn to learn because I didn't learn in the same passive ways. It wasn't as easy as it was before the car accident. I had to like learn how to write notes down in class. I had to learn how to process spoken information. I had to learn to become 
a more active learner. And that took four years. So I, I finished four, four years after my high school classmates. So I graduated four years after my high school classmates were graduating <clears throat> from college. But that, you know, that kind of setback, as I know, you know, you know, from some of the other people you've talked to, like, like Amy Purdy, sometimes setbacks like that, as devastating as they are, can lead you to find a new and better version of, of yourself. And I think that's what happened. But I had to, I say I had to break up with my old self in order to find my new self. That's uh, so profound. Okay, so so because you're a body language, a, a, a nonverbal expert, obviously, we're going to dive into that in a minute. Where your transformation occurred, correct me if I'm wrong, where your transformation started and sustained itself was in the mind first, because you had to create a new identity. You identified yourself as someone who is smart. People who identify themselves as an intellectual, you find them in libraries and in continuous education. Someone who identifies themselves as an athlete, you find them in the gym and trying to work on their physicalness. People who identify themselves as a model obviously would spend, you know, 75 hours a day in front of the mirror. What you are saying is that you grew up being very smart and now your physical experience with this car accident made it more difficult because someone came into your life and reminded you that, yes, you still are that core, smart, intellectual seeker of knowledge. It allowed you to sustain enough physical therapy to get back into believing that that is who you really are. I hope I made sense, but I want you to talk about the mind side first before we get into the body can actually change the mind. Yeah. So um, it's funny because I, I was, you know, I was in the gifted program as a kid and and I, I knew I was smart, but I wasn't a, I wasn't in the library all the time. I, you know, I, I was very social. I, I worked my way through college as a roller skating waitress. I was a professional ballet dancer. So I did all of these physical things as well. Um, and so I'm not sure. It's funny if, if I had not had that accident and, and lost at least temporarily that cognitive ability, I might not have ever become a professor at Harvard. Um, so it's funny because Amy Purdy, again, you know, she and I are good friends and talk a lot. And she always says, if I hadn't lost my legs, I probably would not have become a professional snowboarder. But it was losing my legs that made me made, made it clear to me that being physically fit and being, you know, mastering physicality is so important to her. And I think the same thing happened to me, that it was losing that ability that made me focus on that ability, on recovering it and never, ever taking it for granted. Right. So I don't take for granted when I have a a, a day that's filled with, um, you know, revelations and clear thought. I, I, it's just like, you know, my husband is a, is a, is a, an athlete and a bicyclist and a runner. And we, ha- when he has a great day running or cycling, he feels great. I feel like when I have a great day writing and thinking really clearly, I do not take that for granted. You know, I really value that. So it, it is a little bit, it is when, when I lost that thing, I valued that thing more. And that's kind of how humans work. Wow. Yes, ma'am. So. 
pain is a signal to grow, not to suffer. Once we learn the lesson that pain teaches us, the pain goes away. So is that one of your, your underlying mantras that I was paralyzed playing football and now it clearly became, as I recovered, it clearly became one of the best things that happened to me. Not the accident was the best thing, but who I became as a man and what I learned as a result of the setback clearly made me who I am today. Is that what you're teaching us? I think so. But, you know, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I didn't set out to do that. You know, I, I set out to get back on track and and you, you it takes a while for you to realize that your struggle and your journey is filled with um, with sort of empathy and wisdom for other people. So it took me a while to, to realize that I had something to offer through my experiences with adversity. But, yeah, I, and I, I it's funny, I don't feel. I don't feel traumatized by the the pain around the car accident. It's easy for me to talk about that. And I, I do think it's because I I worked my way through that. You know, I recovered as well as I could. I don't have any resentment about it. Um, I and yeah, I I'm not sorry that it happened. How can I be? Yeah. I have a I, you know, I have a life that I love. I have a, a family that I love. I, I do work that I love. Where, how can I complain about anything that's happened to me? So as we've been coming through this COVID so-called crisis, which I think is more of a pause and purge, you know, it's not a crisis. Crisis does not make or break the man or woman. It just reveals the true character within. I'm fascinated by how your TED Talk concludes because you say, because the people who can use your, your technology, your research, your amazing revolutionary message, because the people who can use it the most are the ones with no resources and no technology and no status and no power. Let's get to the second P, the preparation. Teach us about what we can do to elevate ourselves coming through, coming out of this so-called COVID crisis so that we can respond to rapid change for the rest of our lives. And as you point out, take control of our behavior through our minds and then change our minds through our behavior. Please just dive into your research and into your passion. Sure. So I think first I want to say there's a difference between social power, which is, you know, your power in an organization or your, your wealth or your, um, you know, it's, it's your power over other people. And then there's personal power. And that's more about your agency and your true confidence and your ability to bring forth your best self. Social power is something that we have less control over than personal power. And I think that people, you know, a lot of people are, are going to have lost some of their social power. They'll, they'll lose, people have lost jobs, they've lost wealth, they've lost, um, they, they've, they've lost even sort of uh, uh, roles in their organizations. But I don't want people to forget that they still can find access to their personal power, which is very different. Social power is zero sum. You know, it's finite. If one person has some, somebody else has less. Personal power is not. It's infinite. Everybody can feel powerful. And what we know is that psychologically, when people feel powerful, 
it activates what we call the the approach mindset. So people see the world not as a place that's filled with threats, but as you know, a place that's filled with opportunities. They see strangers not as potential predators, but as potential allies and friends. They they think more creatively and openly, and they're even more generous with other people because they are not in a scarcity mindset, right? So mm. what I want to tell people is that do not forget that you deserve to feel personally powerful. As beaten down as you feel maybe systemically right now, you still have access to your personal power. Now, we give away our personal power by allowing ourselves to collapse. And that happens physically and psychologically. But let me talk about the physical for a minute. Physically, when people feel powerless, they literally contract. They, they, they make themselves smaller. They take up less space. That's true for animals who are humans and animals who are not human, right? So, so when, when individuals have less power, they hide. They touch their faces and their necks. They they go into the fetal position. They they slouch. When people feel powerful, they do exactly the opposite. They expand. They take up space. They breathe slowly and deeply. They even speak slowly. So they're taking up more temporal space. Now, what's interesting about that is that Yes, when we feel powerful, we expand. When we feel powerless, we contract. But what's so cool about what we now know about the body-mind connection is that it also works in reverse. So if you are feeling powerless and your instinct is to collapse, do the opposite. Expand. I mean, literally stand with your feet apart and your hands on your hips or your arms in a victory pose, um, walk around and take long strides, sit upright, make sure that your posture is good. All of those things are sending a signal to your nervous system that you are safe. When we go into that fetal position, when we allow ourselves to collapse, we're sending our nervous system the opposite message that we are not safe. So I want to encourage everyone to be mindful of the physicality of power and powerlessness. So right now, when you're home feeling, you know, lonely, like understandably lonely, depressed, scared, your instinct is going to be to collapse. I want you to do everything you can to build into your daily routine ways to expand. If that's brushing your teeth with your hand on your hip, great. You know, if that means that you... Um, uh, you know, sit with your arms uh, rested on the back of the couch instead of wrapped around your torso. Great. Find ways to do that because that is sending a signal to your brain, to your nervous system that you're okay and that will help you. That's so profound. Okay. The last P is, is, is pursuing your passion. So let's just paint the picture, which you have taught me and I've watched your TED talk so many times. It brought tears to my eyes the first two times because when I, I played football for 13 years, and when I was paralyzed, I lost my identity. So everywhere I went, I believed what you believed, Amy, that I did not belong here. Even when I had a chance to speak at Princeton University, I'm thinking my cholesterol counts higher than my SAT scores. I'm a dumb <laughs> football player. I don't belong here. How many people listening to this podcast in the world have that? notion at least once or twice or 10 or 15 times a day 
where the ideas to think outside the box leave our comfort zone. You are continuously pursuing your passion, but counsel us on how we can fake it, not just till we make it, but as you say, fake it until we become it. Yeah. Yeah, please, please talk about that before we conclude our time. It just changed my whole life, my friend. It really did. Thank you. So the the idea of imposter syndrome and, and, you know, I, I now call it the imposter experience because syndrome implies that it's pathological, which means that it's rare. And it turns out it's incredibly common. So 85% of people including students at Harvard Business School, admit to feeling like imposters. So they feel like a fraud. They feel like they're going to be found out, like somebody's going to tap them on the shoulder and say, we made a mistake. You shouldn't have been admitted or you shouldn't have been hired for this job. So it's not that we walk around feeling that way all the time or in all facets of our lives, but we walk away, we walk around feeling that way in some facets of our lives. So the first thing I want to tell you is that you are not alone. And if you've never felt that way, that's unusual. That's, that's what would be unusual. All of us feels that way at times. All, all of us feel that way at times. And often we feel even more that way when we are being rewarded or acknowledged for things that we've done well. So it doesn't surprise me that when you go speak at Princeton, which is you being recognized, you feel more like an imposter. You feel like, oh my gosh, I really don't deserve this, right? So that brings up those feelings. So the first thing to know is it's common. The second thing to know is it's okay that it keeps on coming up because you will learn to manage it. It's like whack-a-mole, you know, the game where you sort of, do, do you know that game where you sort of hit the, the moles as, <laughs> yeah. they, as they pop up? It's, it's like, it's like whack-a-mole. It's going to keep on pop, popping up and you're going to keep on pounding it down and you're going to get through it and that's okay. But the idea of faking it until you become it versus faking it till you make it is this. The term, the, sort of the phrase fake it till you make it, <clears throat> to me always meant fool other people into believing that you deserve to be there. So then you get there, okay? Now what do you do? You still feel like a fraud. You've, you've convinced them that you deserve to be there, but you feel like a fraud. The problem is not convincing other people. The problem is that you need to convince yourself that you deserve to <laughs> be there. So you need to fake your sense of deservingness and confidence until you become the best version of yourself. So again, confidence, that feeling of power, all of those things are going to allow you to enlarge who you are, to to become a better, stronger, more virtuous version of who you are. And so you are not, you are no longer faking it. When you get that job that you want, you're not having to continue to fake it. You now are that thing that you wanted to be. You are the self that you wanted to be. So I think it's so different. Faking it till you make it is about fooling other people. Faking it till you become it is about fooling yourself. I love it. Okay, so we've gone through this social distancing, which I think is a misnomer. We're social beings. We should have always called it physical distancing, but it brings up something so profound. I've talked about it for years. We become the average of the five people we associate with the most. So how does our choice of friends, now that we've gone through these three E's, this this evaluation, this elimination of negative friends and influences, and this elevation of who we want to be, and like you said, our our ability to become the best version of ourselves, talk for just a couple of minutes before we conclude about the significance of 
surrounding ourselves with people who allow us and encourage us to fake it until we become it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. It's, it's a, you know, I'm thinking about who those people are in my life and how that changes as, you know, as, as you get older and also as you experience adversity. Um, And I guess I, I think there are two kinds of people who in my life, I mean, some are people who are needing my help right now. And, you know, everyone likes to help. Helping others makes us feel closer, right? It makes us feel connected. It makes us feel good about what we're doing. So I don't feel that everybody around me necessarily needs to be sort of, um, be my, they, they don't need to be my cheerleader all the time. I want to be their cheerleader some of the time. So there are always people in my life who are struggling, and I want to be able to be the person who's there to help them, not right after the crisis, but six months after the crisis, when nobody remembers that something bad happened to them. So I have people like that in my life, but I also have people, so uh, people who inspire me and who I feel happy for when they succeed. So I really truly believe that uh, when other people in your field are who, who, who you like and respect are doing well, you should not feel that you're losing anything. You should feel happy for them. You, if you, you should check in with those feelings of, of envy or jealousy that you might be having and ask yourself, what's that really about? You know, what, what can I change in myself to fix that? And also know that, look, if you admire them and they're doing well sharing a message that you value, you should be happy that they're sharing that message and that people are listening to it. So I like to be around the people who can be happy for my successes. Uh, I, I can be happy for their successes. And I, they will allow me to help them without it feeling like an exchange relationship, you know, so it feels, it feels like a communal relationship, not an exchange relationship. I don't know if that makes Uh, sense, but but being able to help really matters. So you put a healthy child in the same room with a sick child, most of the time you have two sick children. You put a hard-to-catch horse in the same field with an easy-to-catch horse. Most of the time, you end up with two hard-to-catch horses. So as we are distancing ourselves from maybe negative influences in our lives, maybe cleansing our our own personal mind and 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 overcoming our doubts, I want to put you on the hot seat, as I've done with every one of my guests, and refer to Professor Randy Pausch who coined the speech title Last Lecture. And I've I've taught public speaking at the MBA level for 10 years at different uh, universities. And so my final examination with my students is always, if you had one day to live, if you had one consolidated message to the world, Miss Amy Cuddy, what would it be? It would be trust before strength. It would be build trust before you try to flash your strength. When you when you meet new mm-hmm. people and you're forming relationships, the most important thing you can do is build trust. We cannot hear each other without that. Trust is the conduit of influence. It's the medium through which ideas are exchanged and travel. And we often make the, the mistake of wanting people to see us as the smartest guy in the room. 
And we do that at the expense of actually connecting with people and building trust with them. That is so profound. I should have asked you that question at the very beginning. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so as an author, as an award-winning Harvard lecturer, do you have a new book that you've been working on that you want to tell everybody about and tell us how we can join your tribe? Yeah, uh, Besides sure. watching your amazing TED Talk, I, I want people to be able to, to just reap the benefits of having you in their lives. Teach Thank us. you. So I'm, I'm actually working on two books. Um, the book that, that, that will come out first is actually called When They Trust You, They Hear You, How to Talk to Any Audience. And it's my take on public speaking. So I'm actually writing a public speaking book that's based on my award-winning Harvard course. So if you, if you want to know what I'm teaching to the Harvard students um, that I think really moves their ability to connect with people in a matter of months, then I think this book will do that for you. That will come out in early 20. 2021. And then the second book that I'm working on is a, a, a bigger project. It's called Bullies, Bystanders, and Brave Hearts. And it's about the psychology of adult bullying and adult social bravery. So really sticking your neck out and doing the right thing, even when you know that you might be kicked out of the tribe for doing it. So what's going on? You know, why do we see all this bullying? Why are so many bystanders just doing nothing? It examines deeply what's happening and how can we get on on that road to bravery for ourselves and and modeling that for our kids. So where to find me? Wow. Uh, my book presence is is um it is is out in every you know, every format. So you can find that anywhere. Um, I, 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 I think you'll find that a useful and inspiring read right now. I am on LinkedIn. Um, I'm an influencer on LinkedIn. So I have a lot of activity there. I have a newsletter there that's not, you're not signing up for tons of emails. It's called uh, Communicate with Impact and it's on public speaking and what I call public writing. Uh, and uh, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I'm easy to find on social media. Uh, So connect with me there and I'll keep you posted on what I'm up to. I can't wait to get an autographed copy of a couple of these books, my friend. Of course. You are are everything that Miss Purdy said you would be. And uh, I literally, as cheesy as it sounds, Amy, I've, I've kind of fought back some emotion because I resonate with with losing my identity and having to reinvent myself. And, and, and your message has clarified so many things in my life, even after the fact, because I was paralyzed so long ago. Anyway, I fully Thank recovered you. and now I've allowed you and invited you into my life to take me to the next level. May I conclude as I always do. So remember my friends, when you finally decide to be a power player, your power play begins in you. So until next time, as my guest Amy Cuddy has so eloquently challenged us to remember, quantify your takeaway and go make a power play. Thanks for joining me, Amy. I love you. I honor you. We, uh, we appreciate your influence in the world. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. <laughs> Thanks. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.